and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. As you are well aware, my friends, the headlines are screaming the unprecedented seriousness of our times, and we're not talking about cocaine in the White House, we're talking about things far more serious than that around our world. Europe's on the verge of collapse. The French are on the edge of having their fifth republic collapse. And the Arab Spring that promised the hopeful rise of democracy in the Middle East developed into the growing horror of the dictatorial rule of fundamental Islam. Turkey and Iran are vying for dominance over the Islamic world. And more than a billion people that have no unifying leadership are out there. Will there be a new Ottoman Empire or a resurrected Persian Empire? They pursue an Islamic New World Order, as declared by the former Persian president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. But Islam is not alone, as you know. China also intends to rule the world with well over a billion people, a declared goal now within a mere 24 years according to their own declaration. Leaders of the Western world are increasingly clamoring for clarity and courage to implement what they call a new world order, claiming it to be the only hope and salvation for our planet. In fact, you remember that John Kerry, former U.S. presidential candidate, declared Joe Biden as president would open the door to the long-sought new world order and great reset or global government. Russia, China, Britain, Canada... Indeed, most of the world, including America's leaders, have called for the full implementation of such a new global world order, as did U.S. President George Herbert Walker Bush back in 1991, the first time any American president had ever publicly voiced that global goal. But even the Vatican, under three successive popes now, Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis have issued a call to implement a new global order, an economic order, to provide hope for the world and a new kind of global currency salvation. Planet Earth is not particularly friendly, as you can see right now, if indeed it ever was. Perhaps never a more apt description could be given than that of the famous book, written by Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. I hope you've read it, my friend, and if not, you need to. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And who would ultimately rule such a utopian new world order for collective peace, prosperity, and justice of all humanity? Will a New Age version of the French Revolution present a Robespierre to lead into a horror-filled hope of liberty, equality, and fraternity? Apparently not. And then we had the term hope and change. It became a universally experienced and received cry throughout the nations. People were hungry for hope and for change. And the world clamors for a deliverer, a messianic leader. So the question is, is there any real hope? Is there anyone we can truly trust? Who can restore order? 
What promises will tickle our itching ears to promote participation at the ballot box? And what good is freedom in the face of enveloping fear? Is real hope merely a figment of the imagination? And where does change actually lead? Is there hope? That's our focus here today on Viewpoint. Our guest has a book titled Hope Rising, So we're talking about the hope ahead, but how do we find hope amid what seems to be a growing horror around the world? And the question hovering over all of it is, is Messiah coming soon? Is Messiah coming soon? So I want you to welcome with me Dr. Jeffrey Johnson from Dallas, Texas. His book, Hope Rising, messianic promise on the horizon. Jeff, it's good to have you on the program. It is a delight to be with you, Chuck. Well, we have uh, some very tenuous circumstances going on. Uh, Yesterday, right here on the program, we talked about an article that came out in Israel National News from uh, an Italian commentator who said that uh, the French, France, is uh, falling apart, that the Fifth Republic is going to be thrown away, and uh, here is a country that supposedly had a revolution around our revolution that promised liberty, equality, and fraternity and gave them none of that. Where is the hope amid all of these promises? Oh, my goodness. Great question. Well, the hope, obviously, is in uh, Messiah Yeshua, Messiah Jesus. And uh, hope is—you find hope uh, in the Bible, every page, every verse. And uh, this is what we must look to. We must look to the Lord. And with all this upheaval uh, that you mentioned in your introduction to the program, uh, you know, we must— Uh, always keep in mind that if you want to understand what God is doing, you've got to ask the question, what is God doing in Israel? Mm -hmm. And all this upheaval, this despair, uh, people are searching for something. There's still, in this post-pandemic world, uh, a a great despair, a hopelessness, and uh, the hope can be found. Well, it's interesting, and though, when you talk about Israel, thing. Jeff, when you talk about Israel, uh, if you were to go back about 25 years, you would find the statistics showed that only about 16% of the Israeli population was looking for a Messiah and was looking for a rebuilt temple. Well, now that expectation has increased to about 65% of the Israeli population, mm-hmm. looking for a Messiah, yeah. looking, or, or at least some sort of a messianic moment. Let's put it that way. Not necessarily a Messiah, but a messianic age or a messianic moment. On the other hand, when you look at what's actually happening in Israel today, you would never know. Looking at the politics looking at the conversations, looking at the arguments, the fighting going on in the Knesset, you would never know they have an expectation of a Messiah, would you? 
Well, we're, we're looking in the wrong faces there. Uh, if you look to politics, you're not going to find uh, <laughs> much hope in, in the political arena. Uh, but if you go into the streets, uh, listen, there is a revival going on in Israel. And as you know, and, and I'm sure many of your listeners, uh, in 1967, when Israel was attacked, they took Jerusalem. And historically, there were a handful of believers uh, before 67. Uh, but since 1967, there is estimated, at least, and it depends on who you read, 150 to 200 congregations, Messianic congregations, Jews who believe in Jesus, gathering together and worshiping. There is truly today a, a, a revival, especially among the young people. All right, well, we want to pick and up on that after this uh, break. Hope Rising Friends, that's the title of the book, Messianic Promise. We'll make it available to you in just a moment. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. Our viewpoint concerning whether or not a Messiah is on his way and uh, what we should do in preparation is determining destiny. And that's why here on Viewpoint, daily we talk about preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the season. We are instructed to understand the general season and we see what's going on in our world, and we have to ask our question, our, the question, is Messiah coming soon? We remember back in the 1970s when uh, the song, Soon and Very Soon, We're Going to See the King, came out. People loved that song. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the king. Well, we haven't seen him yet. Then Bill and Gloria Gaither came out with their song, The King is Coming, The King is Coming. Praise God, he's coming for you and for me. Well, we haven't seen him yet, and that was 40 years ago. What then are we to expect? And when we look at our world, when we look at Israel, our guest today, uh, Dr. Jeff uh, Johnson, has indicated that there are approximately 150, 200 congregations of uh, professing believers, Messianic believers there in Israel, and that's true. But the total number of professing believers is somewhere between 12 and 14,000. 12 to 14,000, those are the best estimates uh, that I have uh, come across over the past couple of years. And uh, yet in America, in North America, Rather than Jewish people coming to the Lord, increasing, they're becoming more secular. So secular that even those in Israel are saying, how can we even get along with the Jews and the diaspora? So we're living in some very, very challenging times, Jeff. Uh, 
yes, there, there are those that are coming to Yeshua, but comparatively speaking, they're very few, aren't they? Well, it has begun. And this is what Jesus said. He said, listen, you will not see me again until you say in Hebrew, it's Baruch HaBavishem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right. And when Jewish people come to faith, in essence, this is what they are saying and crying out, blessed are you. It was you all along. And exponentially, this number is growing. And even the rabbis the Orthodox. They look at the world politic. They look at uh, uh, Iran, Iraq, Russia, mm-hmm. all these enemies that surround Israel. And they, the the religious, now they don't believe in Jesus, right. but the religious, the Orthodox are saying, Mashiach is coming. Uh, we're at the precipice yeah. of his return. I agree with that. I agree. That's exactly yeah. what they're saying. Uh, or another has said, we need Mashiach, and we need him now. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Okay, yes, so indeed. I have a question for you, then. I have a question for Please. you, and before we, uh, before I ask that question, which is a, a somewhat provocative, uh, I want to make your book available to our listeners, Hope Rising, Messianic Promise. $20 is going to put it in your hands, friends. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. In his book, uh, Dr. Johnson tackles two difficult questions. In Hope Rising, does God care and why doesn't God speak? And we're going to respond to those questions in a few moments. But before we do that, I received uh, notice just in uh, this week that uh, Donald Trump's spiritual advisor, a born-again Christian woman, has declared that we should not be trying to convert the Jews to Christianity. She's gone to Israel and is in a yeshiva over there uh, studying the Torah, and she has said that we should not be converting the Jews to Christianity. What say you? Oh, man. Well, listen, that's a great question. Uh, There is uh, what is called an anti-missionary movement, a reaction, even among uh, evangelicals uh, concerning Israel. Mm-hmm. Listen, this has been going on for the last 2,000 years, and very briefly, there was a guy in the second century by the name of Marcion, that uh, very influential shipbuilder from Turkey. He says, listen, we need to do away with the Old Testament. We don't need to concern ourselves with the Jewish people, you know, this sort of thing. And it was deemed a heresy. It was called Marcionism. But now they're saying we need to concern ourselves with the Jews even more so, and in doing so, we should not be preaching Jesus. In fact, uh, a leading leading spokesperson uh, heading up one of the major uh, uh, American Jewish focus groups has uh, taught for many years that uh, we should not be doing that because there— you know, if you want to cultivate favor with the uh, the Jewish people and get on their side, then you don't want to convert them to Christianity. How do you respond? 
Well, it is it is tied into this heresy to do away with the promises. They, what they say is all the promises that uh, were given to Abraham belong to the church, and as a result of there, what blossomed, uh, unfortunately, from that is that there are two ways of salvation, is what they say, mm-hmm. and that is heresy. They say there's a way of salvation for the Jew, there's a way of salvation for the Gentile, Jesus mm-hmm. is the God for the Gentiles, and yud is the God, you know. I, and what is lost in all of that is, listen, uh, uh, the God of Israel in the flesh is Jesus, is Yeshua, the incarnation. A Jew. And this, this, this theory, this crazy belief, it's heresy, that there are two ways of salvation. It is absolutely wrong. And whoever this spiritual leader is advising President Trump, uh, he or she is a heretic, if that is what they are saying. Well, these uh, so-called heretics, then, uh, there's a male and there's a female, and uh, they have gained the dominion over uh, the relationship between America and American evangelicals in Israel, and uh, yeah. this is this is a very serious issue that we're facing now, and uh, it's yes, it's sir. come to the fore again just this week. So I felt that it was important to bring it up, and uh, where is the Listen, hope? The gospel, then? the the gospel is to the Jew first. That's also. true then to the Greek, then to the Gentile. Listen, if you're sitting in church today and and you're a Gentile, you're not Jewish, you're sitting in church today, the reason you're sitting in church is because Jewish believers 2,000 years ago went out and reached out to Gentiles Mm -hmm. uh, who were painting themselves blue and worshiping rocks and what have you, you know. But they went to the Gentiles and presented the gospel. Starting with the Apostle Paul, yes. Uh Yes. So we owe a great debt to the Jewish people. And to say there's no need to share the gospel is simply foolishness. And... Uh, it is not true. Well, Yeshua said, is, is very, only, no yes. man will come to the Father but through me. Yes, so, I mean, absolutely. he made it very clear. Uh, yes. So you wonder what it is that's motivating these people, and I'll tell you what I think it is. I think there's so much interest in trying to curry favor with the Jewish people, and particularly with political elements in Israel they were willing to sacrifice the essence of the gospel in order to do it. Well, again, that is a very foolish thing to do. And and what we do uh, in Israel, you know, we do provide humanitarian relief for those in need. We could talk about that later if you'd like. But, you know, uh, but in so doing, we present the gospel. Why? Because that is the mandate that the Lord gave to his followers, uh, to preach the gospel to every nation, go and teach, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of that. This is our motivational impetus. All believers should be sharing our faith, whether they're Jewish to Jewish people or to Gentile people, and for anyone to advise a president uh, to not share the gospel 
uh, that 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 breaks my heart, Chuck. It's, All right. Well, you're the founder and president of uh, Israel Today Ministries. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, what we do is uh, now there's a great need in Israel that most people don't know. A lot of evangelicals are unaware. All you have to do is Google this. Out of a nation of nine million people, which is Israel, mm-hmm. you have one point one million children living in poverty. Out of the 160,000 or so Holocaust survivors currently living in Israel, approximately 45 to 50,000 are living in poverty. Mm. So what we do, we provide food, uh, provide meals and encouragement and hope mm-hmm. uh, through that practical means. How do you do and that? And we, conver- we have conversations and which we share then why do you do this? Well, Messiah wants us to do this. Who is Messiah? And this opens up uh, a lot of questions, a a great deal of conversation, and it is very effective. And the model is following what Jesus did. He would feed people, and then he would talk to them. That's basically what we do. Okay, well, that's uh, very practical. Uh, oftentimes, and, and, and I don't want to put you on the spot in a sense, but uh, oftentimes what happens is that people that are wanting to, uh, to take care of physical needs end up sacrificing spiritual ministry uh, on the altar, so to speak, of providing physical uh, needs. How do you keep that balance? Great question. All right. By virtue of the fact that we have done this for many, many, many years, Mm -hmm. in Israel, you have to earn the right to speak. It's a very biblical principle. You're known by what you do, not so much by what you say. Mm -hmm. If what you say matches what you do, all the better. Because we have been doing this, providing meals uh, for a couple of decades, over two decades now, over 200,000 meals we have provided for children in need, for Holocaust survivors in need. They know we're there. And they ask questions. We are in their homes uh, on regular days, during holy days, during Shabbat. Uh, the whole thing, from civic leaders to folks on the street, they know we're there. And, and the conversations are, are replete with, with the gospel. Hundreds and thousands have heard the gospel, but it began with providing this very basic need. Uh, that is very real in Israel. All right. It's one and, thing to hear uh, the you know, gospel. Israel, it's one thing to hear yes. the gospel. It's another thing to believe the gospel and to follow. Uh, oh, my. Well, we direct people to the Nevi'im, to the prophets. Uh, we start there, and generally in Isaiah 53, obviously, Psalm 22, Proverbs 30, sure. things like this. And when we have these conversations, not only ourselves personally, but our team and the people we work with in Israel as well. And it literally, we're in their homes, uh, and and the scripture, the Tanakh, is open. The Old Testament is open, mm-hmm. and we, we guide the conversation. And it's profoundly effective, Chuck. 
And it's not rocket science. It's simply presenting, you know, the gospel in a loving, uh, effective manner. But you have to earn that right. Right. You know, why, why do you come so far to provide food? And we say, so glad you asked. You know, and thus the conversation begins. How do you get over the hurdle of Isaiah 53 uh, that is so explicit and that the rabbis refuse to read in the synagogues because it is so explicit in terms of referencing and identifying Messiah? Well, Chuck, you, you, you probably already know this in terms of for the first thousand years, uh, of, you know, church history, the Jews looked at Isaiah 53 as referring to the Messiah. And one of their uh, theologians, their revered rabbis by the name of Rashi, said, no, 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 the suffering servant is Israel. It's not All right, Mashiach. I want you to so pick up on that after this break. The suffering servant is right. Israel, not Yeshua, the Messiah. Why is that? What has, what has been the effect of that in Israel? We'll be right back, friends. This is you. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, but not just America, but for the Israel and the whole world. If hope is going to rise in America, hope has to rise all over the world because the hope as we often sing, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus or Yeshua's name. He's the solid rock that the Old Testament refers to, that the psalmist continually talked about. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our high tower. He is our shelter in the time of storm. He is our I am. He is the I am of Mount Sinai, and he is the Mount, he is the I am of Mount Zion to come. Our special guest today, Dr. Jeff Johnson, with his book, Hope Rising, a Messianic Promise. Uh, $20 will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check, add $5 for postage and handling. Hope ahead. But where is Israel's hope when they rely upon a, a rabbi 
going back a thousand years, who said, the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53, that so clearly reveals Yeshua and his upcoming suffering, is actually talking about Israel. Help us understand that, Jeff. Well, it's very unfortunate. There's, well, in fact, in the synagogue, there's a lot of scripture read every uh, Shabbat. Sure. And they will read, for example, through uh, the Torah, the first five books every year, and they mm-hmm. celebrate that at a special holiday. And they read through all of the Old Testament uh, within a period of three years. But what they have done in the synagogue, they will read, for example, Psalm 20, 21, 22, or they'll not read 22. Mm-hmm. They'll just jump over to 23 because Psalm 22 uh, raises uh, too many questions. So uh, does uh, Psalm 2. They'll read, I, they, oh, yes. And they'll read Isaiah 50, 51, 52, 54. They'll bypass Isaiah 53. Too many questions. Where is the integrity and, in such uh, uh, ministry? Say that again, please. Where is the integrity uh, among the rabbis who refuse oh, well, to expose to the people the rest of the Word of God? Oh, my. Well, see, they're afraid of the questions. When we share our faith uh, with Israelis, you know, we, like I said, we, we start with the prophets, we talk about that, mm. and it's within the cut, we, we do a narrative, we tell them a story. Uh, and the story is basically the story of Jesus, but we don't tell them until the very end. They'll say, oh my, why would the Roman soldiers hurt this uh, good rabbi? And I said, you know where this happened? You know, just right over there, two kilometers that way, like if we're in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. two kilometers that way. They, oh my goodness. And you know, they, they have, he has a name. What is his name? And I tell them his name is Yeshua. And they go, oh, my goodness. They, they are moved by the story itself, by the mm. narrative. So, and then they say, well, I got to ask my rabbi. I got to go tell him what, what you just said. I said, please <laughs> do. You won't like his answers. You won't like his answers. You know, but they come back and say, well, he told me this. He told me that. And we address these questions mm. that mm-hmm. they have. And it just, Chuck, it just simply works because the Holy Spirit the Ruach HaKodesh, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit of God, touches their heart and draws them to Him. And, and so we let the Word of God do the work for us, you know. Yeah, well, you have that, to. I mean, yeah. you can't, yeah. a man convinced against his will will be of the same opinion still. So you can't persuade yeah. in that sense. All you can do is present and trust as the scripture says, that God is watching over his word to perform it. Yes, yes. And that's the profound simplicity of what we do. Like I said, over 200,000 meals we have provided. Mm -hmm. With that comes hundreds and hundreds of conversations about the Messiah. And when they come to faith, we direct them to uh, a local congregation in their area, the one of the 150 to 200 congregations that are in Israel, you know, that sort of thing. That's how it works. All right. Now, you you have indicated that uh, one of the primary purposes of your book, Hope Rising, is to, shall we say, 
unite the first and second covenants uh, that we've more commonly referred to as the Old and New Testaments, and uh, to to kind of put this together in a way that the puzzle pieces uh, portray the right picture of Yeshua as Messiah. Uh, help us to understand a little bit more uh, how you do that in this book. Well, a great question, Chuck. The Listen, from the first chapter, the fingerprint of God, we covered God's creation of man. He blew into his nostrils a breath of life, became a living soul, man and woman, uh, the two genders. Uh, he created them in his image. You and I have significance because of that fact. And all throughout the Tanakh, the Old Testament, all throughout the First Covenant, are stories of redemption and hope where God intervened uh, through the ram, through the lamb, through the blood, and and then segue to the Berith Atashah, the New Covenant, the, the, the Second Covenant, the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, from the arrival, the incarnation. Uh, the ch- even the childhood of Jesus, what he did as a little boy, we covered that, and all the way through uh, to the time that a person breathes his last breath, life after death. What happens when you close your eyes? Uh, what is this hope that we can depend upon? And in between there, we have a chapter entitled, Behold His Yeshua, based on Psalm 91. And listen. And that, that addressed a, a calamity. It was originally called the Song of Plagues, Psalm 91. But in that chapter, you find hope and encouragement. And when the bad thing happened, uh, historically, people, if they could, if they were in Jerusalem, they would run to the temple, towards the temple, try to get behind the safety of the walls of the temple to get as close to the Shekinah glory, the Holy of Holies, as close as they possibly could to the presence of God. And Paul addressed this. He says, listen, believer in Yeshua, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When the bad thing happens, when that that Uh, fear, that plague, that tragedy, whatever befalls you, when the bad thing happens, we don't have to run to a physical place. All we have to do is reach up and cry out, Lord, help me. And this is the hope that is spoken to, uh, that gives voice to the whole of Scripture both the first and second covenant. All right, but without why this then, hope we have nothing. That's well that's true, but why then is the uh, temple necessary? Uh, the rebuilding of the temple. Some Christians will say that's ridiculous. Uh pastors will say uh, there's no uh, no need for a rebuilt temple. Uh we're the temple of the living God and uh God is not live in temples made with hands. Of course he didn't at the time when Jesus walked into the temple and declared it to be his house. Uh, so why then the necessity of a rebuilt temple? Well, uh, another great question. The next temple will be uh, erected, uh, it'll be during the time of what we refer to as the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. And there is a, an organization in Jerusalem called the Temple Institute, and they right. have blueprints and the artifacts. I mean, they're getting ready to do this thing. But keep in mind, when that temple is erected, some very bad things are going to happen to Israel. 
I mean, the Antichrist is going to be on the scene, a whole bunch of components like that. Well, that's true, but they're looking to it. That's their hope. In fact, uh, the temple, the lack of the temple is the greatest uh, fracture of Israeli life and Jewish hope ever in history. And uh, therefore, the rabbis had to come up with an alternative means of uh, salvation. They couldn't even offer their sacrifices because the Torah demanded it be done at the temple. And so they haven't been able to do that. The rabbis came up with a gospel of works. You know, let's let's just be nice. Let's uh, uh, do good things. Tikkun olam. Uh, we'll save the world through good works. Well, even today, uh, today in the Jewish calendar, is called, it's the 17th of Tammuz. What is that? Uh, the, it's the beginning of prayer and fasting, uh, what they call the three weeks. It concludes at a month called Tisha B'Av. Mm-hmm. Okay, what it is is remembering the temple. There is great hope and anticipation for a restored temple and, and all of the land promised to them that we understand in the Scripture. Uh, the land of Israel. They don't have all the property yet, but they have a great hope for that. But the next temple, and and Christians need to understand this, the next temple is, you know, like I said, that thing is rebuilt. There will be a great deal of hope temporarily mm-hmm. in Israel. Oh my, the, the temple is built, but, but very bad things are going to happen. We need to remember that. True. For believers in Yeshua, we look at the temple saying, oh my, Jesus is coming soon. And he is. But until his return, that temple, this next rebuilt temple that's in the planning stages, uh, it's going to be a very difficult time for Israel. Uh, Well, it's going to be the time of Jacob's trouble. uh, Yes, And and the Bible talks about that. Yes, yes, it's going to be a terrible time. And what, uh, you know, there's another temple beyond that. That has to do with the prophet Ezekiel, the millennial temple, but that's Mm -hmm. another story for another time. Well, how about Malachi? Malachi chapter 3. The Lord himself will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. But who shall abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears, for he's like a refiner's fire, and he shall purify Try to respond to that after this break. We'll be right back, friends. This is Ruth. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. There's a great controversy in Israel today concerning the rabbis. 
and the Orthodox. Some say we must wait for the Messiah to come to rebuild the temple. Others say, no, we have to be about building the temple so Messiah will come. Our special guest today, Dr. Jeff Johnson, with his book, Hope Rising, Messianic Promise. What say you, Jeff? Well, you're absolutely right. There is anticipation for the next temple. There are plans to make the next temple. Uh, and, I mean, they, they have a cornerstone. Well, how about uh, the big battle, though? Dedicated. How about the big battle between I, the rabbis? Should they, we wait for the Messiah to come and build the temple? Or well, should it, we build it ourselves? Well, they're right in both cases. There's going to be this tribulation temple, which is probably what's in the works now with this planning of mm-hmm. the uh, Temple Institute in, in Jerusalem. And there will be a messianic temple uh, or a millennial temple, the thousand years that uh, we talk about of the millennial kingdom, and the prophet Ezekiel addresses that beginning in chapter 40. Mm -hmm. So they're right on both accounts, uh, and the two different opinions, they'll just argue like in any theological uh, debate, polemic, it's just an argument. But the fact remains, there will be a, 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 a temple rebuilt in due order, and it will be during the time of the tribulation period, and it will be a very difficult time for Israel and the whole world. Yes, my conviction, but Jeff, then, that uh, there will come a person who is mm-hmm. going to rise up, who is going to facilitate the Gentile assistance in building the temple to remove the barriers whether it be the difficulties with Al-Aqsa Mosque or the Dome of the Rock, and to facilitate the rebuilding of the temple. And that person will be seen, I believe, by the majority of the Israeli people, including their Orthodox rabbis, he must be the Messiah. What do you think? Well, that... Well, the, actually, the uh, the Orthodox believe in two messiahs. Uh, one is interesting, the suffering messiah. Right. Uh, they have a name for him, uh, Yeshua. Ben David. Uh, uh, ben, ben Joseph. Joseph. Mashiach yeah. Ben Joseph and Ben David, absolutely. And so, the you know, what I find fascinating is John in his, the book of Revelation, he talks about uh, the beast. He talks about uh, the false prophet. There are two key personalities uh, that are going to be on the scene in the not-too-distant future. And, of course, uh, whoever brings uh, victorious peace or rebuilding of the temple will be held in high regard. And it could be uh, Mashiach ben Joseph. Uh, and But, you know, those are uh, that speculation. I... You, can't, you don't know, because we're still talking about the future. But what we do know is that there will be a temporary temple built, and then there will be the millennial temple that will follow. And the, the confusion and the revelation will be, when does the millennial temple happen? When does that thing begin? When the Messiah's feet, as it were, lands on the Mount of Olives, that what we call as believers the second coming, and the reaction from Israel will be Isaiah 25 and Zechariah 
12, 13, and 14. My mm-hmm. goodness, that we have waited for him. It was him all along. Uh, they will they will mourn over the one that has been pierced. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one and that little word whom is two Hebrew letters, the Aleph and the Tav. It's the first and the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. They shall look upon the sign, the one, the totality. John said it this way, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This will basically be the reaction of Israel when when the Messiah returns. And they'll say, it was him all along. We have waited for him. And then there will be this millennial temple that will be constructed. But All right. Now, I want the, to uh, yes. shift a little bit from there uh, yes. to talk about Messiah, because we're talking about the message of hope. Your book is called Hope Rising. However, the Jewish people and their rabbis do not believe in a divine Messiah. They're not looking for a divine Messiah. They are looking for one like Moses. And so they say, Moses said that God will raise up one like me. Therefore, they say he was not divine. Therefore, Yeshua was a blasphemer because he claimed to be divine. He couldn't possibly have been Messiah. We're waiting for one like us. What do you say? Well, that's a very true comment. Absolutely. Uh, It is difficult for Jewish people to embrace the idea of God and humanity being, you know, together in that respect. The incarnation is beyond their theology. In other words, they basically uh, have no hope for the future. They don't even have a concept of eternity. No, they don't. Uh, their concept of eternity is um, ambiguous at best. Mm-hmm. And and I could give you stories, but it would take too long. But, you know, listen, uh, the rabbis, in terms of the afterlife, they don't have answers. They have a small degree of hope. You know, for example, one rabbi said, wherever, whatever God is, there your mother may be. A woman came to her, my mother died, rabbi, where is she? you know, whatever, wherever God is. You know, I mean, that's basically their reaction. They have no hope. There's a lot of fear there. And yet their hope is built on a Messiah, a messianic age. It's almost as if a hopeless hope. (laughs) Very well said. Yes, a hopeless hope. Uh, But you're absolutely right. They want this physical restoration. The land promised to them goes from Egypt to the Euphrates, mm-hmm. Lebanon down to the Negev. I mean, they, they want their land. Mm-hmm. And the Messiah will bring the land. The Messiah will bring the temple. And Ezekiel talked about that, the millennial temple and all of this. But yes, that's what they're looking for. And they look at the world around them now. They look at, you know, Persia, which is Iran, the Iraq, Russia, all of these moving parts that are happening right now, and they say, you know, Mashiach is coming. They go to the wall, the hotel, they pray, they go to the Mount of Olives, they pray for the coming of the Messiah. There's great anticipation, but they, is, he, they're more anticipating like a Superman, 
someone that is very human, but very strong, very mighty, and politically savvy, militarily smart, and all of that. It's almost as and, if they, uh, they, they have this idea that the Messiah is the spiritual lottery. And uh, I'm going to buy a certain amount of lottery tickets, and I have hope of winning the lottery. But ultimately, even if I win, it doesn't mean anything because I'm going to die anyway. Yeah. This is why it is so important for people in organizations like ours Mm -hmm. to present the gospel of hope to the Jewish people. Again, 2,000 years ago, they presented that hope to the Gentiles. 2,000 years later, I think we owe them a great debt. (laughs) Well, the Apostle Paul seemed to say that in Romans chapter 11, and he said our only hope is to be grafted back into the original olive tree, which they reneged upon. They were severed from the original olive tree. We got grafted in. And now God has to regraft them in again. That's basically how the Apostle Paul worded it in Romans chapter 11, isn't it? Well, if you read 9, 10, and 11 of Romans, you will find out that there is a remnant promised in every generation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's the only guarantee that of that nature you'll find in the New Testament. There is a remnant. Even today, there are those who will believe in Yeshua HaMashiach, those Jewish people, they will believe. They are the remnant that Paul talked about. Well, that's true also and for so Gentiles. Why, it's a remnant. Yes, absolutely. This is why it's imperative to share the gospel, to walk the walk in the Middle East, walking the walk. Like I said, you have to earn the mm-hmm. right to say your words. All, for all of us, we have to walk the walk. Isn't that true in and, America and, as well? Oh, Especially Isn't it true that the, are, one of the worst things that ever happened to our country is that so-called evangelical Christians refuse to walk the walk? Oh, man. You know, yes, you know, okay, let's, let's jump in here. <laughs> one, of the great, one of the greatest mistakes evangelicals have made, now I'm going to lose about half of your listeners here, <laughs> is we have, re, we have reduced, we have reduced Christianity to a political party. God forgive us for that. Our goal, our message is bigger Transcends than politics. politics. Should, should we be involved in politics? Sure. Vote them in, vote them out, pray them in, pray them out. But <laughs> listen, our God, our message is bigger than any political movement on in any age. Listen, we need to walk the walk and then talk, and and we got to earn the right to speak. My goodness! Whether we're and in Israel or whether we're right. in America or wherever we absolutely. are, absolutely, that's exactly the right. Yeah. So that's uh, why when we talk about preparing the way of the Lord for History's final hour, that's what we're really talking about. It does no good to just yes, talk sir. about it; you have to live it. That's right. In fact, we, we Jesus' to, brother yes, James said, "Look." If you look into the perfect law of liberty, the Bible, and then you turn around and you don't remember what you saw there, how God saw you, you're deceiving yourself. 
So be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only, deceiving your own self. Isn't that what Jesus was talking about? Isn't that what James, his brother, talked about? Absolutely. Listen, we are to be salt and light. Mm. And a reminder to all believers. Now, uh, I'll say this very quickly. You know, there's a lot of hatred towards Israel. One of the reasons, perhaps the main reason why the hatred towards Israel is because the world hates the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. And the God of Israel has set the God of Israel has set boundaries, the Ten Commandments, the whole thing. And the God of Israel in the flesh is Jesus. And I tell and remind church members, church people, listen, if the world doesn't like Israel because of the God of Israel, they don't like you either. Exactly. <laughs> and we've forgotten we have forgotten that. Well that's what Jesus we said in John sixteen to too. He said, Look, if they uh why do you think that uh, they persecuted me? If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. In fact, he that uh, ultimately kills you is going to think that he does God a service, Jesus said in John 16, too. So those kinds of things are just not comprehended uh, today uh, no. in our churches. We're not prepared uh, for the times that are coming. We're not prepared for these difficult times. And yet time and eternity are rapidly becoming congruent. It's all happening right in front of our eyes, Jeff, and uh, that's why uh, we take this so sig- uh, significantly. I believe it's one of the reasons the Lord called me to leave the practice of law at the height of my career there in California uh, in 1992 to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation, America's greatest crisis hour. We're right on the near edge of the second coming. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. And I think we should stop trying to please the world Mm -hmm. and try to please the Lord. There you go. The book, Friends, Hope Rising, Messianic Promise. Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, the author, he's been our guest here on the program today. $20 will put the book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. We're in very challenging times. We've been talking about those. We've been talking about the role of Israel. We've been talking about the role of the church. We've been talking about our intersection uh, in the Old and the New Covenants. All of this is coming together for history's final hour. Let's prepare the way of the Lord. Can we do that? Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friends. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 